Uh, Amos 2, I'm going to read the first two verses, and we're going to take off from there. I heard uh, one Amos, maybe a better pronunciation, but I'll just call it Amos. The words of Amos, Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, which would be Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. I'm thinking, I'm stopping right there. That's got to be some earthquake. And Zechariah mentions the same earthquake. And he said, the Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the inhabitations of the shepherds shall mourn, and the top of Carmel shall wither. May the Lord raise blessing to the reading of his word. If you're following along, interesting, uh, the book of Amos in the Septuagint. Now, what is the Septuagint? What is the Septuagint? Do you remember what Septuagint was the Bible of the New Testament times? It was the Hebrew tra- Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, so important for the early days when Christ was on earth. That's what the Bible that they had, because a lot of them could not read Hebrew, so they could read Greek. And so the Septuagint was a Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. The Septuagint has Hosea has Amos coming after. Hosea instead of Joel. So just a little bit of a differentiation in, differentiation in how they're lined up. Uh, this, it's, it's, uh, some, it was Warren Wearsby who said, if Amos were to come to our world today, he would probably feel very much at home. A society that was changing rapidly. Now, he probably wrote that 40 years ago. If, if uh, Amos came to our world today, he would be shocked. He would, I think his jaw, he had to put your jaw back up like that. But now the world he went to has been, he's only like 40 years removed from Elisha. So the world has changed immensely. What has happened is, is that the northern kingdom, now remember we have, why do we have two kingdoms? Why do we have Israel and Judah now? On Jeroboam Rehoboam. Because now at 930 BC, the kingdom divided. There were only four kings who ruled all 12 tribes. Can you list them in order for me? Four kings ruled all 12 tribes. Number one was Saul. Two, three, four, for a very, very short time, Rehoboam. Very good. So those are the only four that ever ruled all 12 tribes of Israel. 930, they divide because Rehoboam was going to make it harder. Listen to the young whippersnappers. are going to make it harder on them than easier. Jeroboam branches off. And so then from that point on, we have Israel, ten tribes. We have Judah, two tribes. Ten and two. So what it says in our text in verse 1, Uzziah, king of Judah. What do we know about Uzziah? Good, bad, indifferent? Good king. He did one thing we know significantly wrong. Exactly, both of you exactly right. Acting like a priest, and he got leprosy. I just hold my hand up. Got leprosy the rest of his life because he thought he could superimpose himself. He was uh, fifty-two years. Only one. I'm asking you a lot of questions. I know only one Judean king ruled longer, and he was terrible. Manasseh. And Judah, Ahab was terrible on the Israel side, yes, of the northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom, Manasseh ruled 55 years. Now, he did get repented at the end. But, so Uzziah, southern kingdom king, Jeroboam II, 
Uh, he is also, were there any really good northern kingdom kings? No. And he's about 41 years of ruling, I think, approximately. So what has happened is there's been a, the wars outside Israel have sort of stopped. So what has happened is there's been a lot of growth materially, financially. They're getting along pretty well. So what happens to a country when materialist things happen really and they, get, they really grow and they have success and they, have, they start out really good, but they get successful and then before you know it, they no longer need God. And so they turn their back on God. And what happens then? They're looking for someone else, something else to do what? To worship. So now... Sounds vaguely familiar to 2023, does it not? So Amos comes on the scene and he sees all these things happening in Israel, worshiping other gods and, and the countries around them, etc. And he just has a burden. His name means burden bearer. So if he were to come to America, he'd be, like, he'd be crushed under the burden probably. But he, he, he's, he's the burden bearer. A little summary, if you want a little summary right there, the first paragraph, I included it for you. God called Amos a successful sheep breeder that words used only twice in the entire Old Testament. The other time, it is called a sheep master, sheep breeder, cattleman, and fruit grower to announce judgment against the northern kingdom of Israel. Amos predicted God's destruction of Israel because the rich people of Israel had mistreated the poor and because the people participated in false worship. Amos began his book by announcing judgment against all of Israel's neighbors. Then he moved on to explain that Israel was also guilty. Amos's point was clear. Israel, that which was guilty like the surrounding nations, would also experience God's judgment. That's the synopsis of the entire book of Amos right there for us. He's going to, listen, you need to repent. It says in verse 2, the Lord will roar from Zion. I, I think God has roared for us a long time. We just don't want to listen to it. He's, he, repent, do right, get yourselves right, live right, and I will, I will bless you. Isn't not the Bible clear? Every time a nation follows God, they are blessed. Every time a nation strays from God, they are not blessed. And you're going to think, well, what about all those nations that mistreated Israel? They're going to get their comeuppance if they didn't already. And you're going to see it right here in the text that lots of times they got their comeuppance before we even get to the Bible times. Now, question number one, what do we mean? should be mean, not man. What do we mean when we say that a person is blinded by something such as money or love? If you're blinded by money, what does that mean? If I, if I, if I pull out my, my, my dollar bill out of here, and, and uh, I, got, oh, I got a $5 bill. Woohoo! I am rich. If I do that, I knock my microphone off too. Sorry, those listening online. I knocked my microphone off, putting my $5 bill on my eyes. So, if I'm blinded by money, what does it mean? I'm pardoned. You're willing to do pretty much whatever. I'm so whatever I whatever it takes to get more. Pardon? What are you focused on? If I'm blinded by money, I cannot see the wrong that I'm doing. If if, if I'm blinded by love, what, if I'm blinded by love, that Charlie don't listen. 
If I'm blinded by love, that means I don't see the faults. Now, when I got married, I still didn't see the faults. <laughs> You're talking to say something different. But love is blind, but the neighbors ain't, right? Love is blind. It means we, we just, can you tell me, I'm thinking of a person right now in the Bible. Can, I'm thinking of it right now. You, oh, what was that? Uh, Johnny, Johnny Carson put that thing up there. I'm thinking of a person in the Bible that love was blind. Samson, exactly. Delilah, he wasn't, he, his love was blind, and so he was willing to do anything to make Delilah happy. How much was he willing? He sacrificed his spiritual walk with God for her, I'm telling you. And what, one of the most saddest verses in all of Scripture, he got up and did not know though the Spirit had departed from him. Isn't that sad? I mean, one of the judges of Israel did not realize the Spirit had departed. Now, you know, in Old Testament time, did the Spirit stay on people like it does today? No. no. Correct. Uh, Romans 8, 9. If you're a Christian today, you have the Spirit of God indwelling you, but not... When did the Spirit come to believers? The day of Pentecost. Very good. All right. So far, you've got an A+, plus, everyone. So Amos really condemns several nations in the first two chapters. And Israel's been sort of blind, blinded by money. Uh, I think it was Philip said, uh, we need a new breed of prophet is needed. Writing prophets were needed. We call them canonical prophets. Tough question. How many were there in the Old Testament canonical prophets? One wrote two books. Sixteen canonical prophets. Jeremiah writing two books. There are 17 books written by prophetic books in the Old Testament by prophets, written by prophets. Non-canonical, a lot of them. Uh, those who didn't write books. Uh, does, does that mean that one's more important than the other? Does it, the disciples who wrote Gospels, are they more important than the disciples who didn't write Gospels? No. They, some may say, but no. That we, and today... The man that pastors the largest church in the largest Bible preaching church in America, they're not more important than you and I, are they? They have a bigger ministry by far, but we're, the ground is leveled. The cross, you and I, have not been called to do that. But I tell you, we have been called to live for God, and whatever place He's put you, let us do that. So, Amos is not a professional prophet. His dad was not a prophet. His father-in-law was not a prophet. He didn't even work for a non-profit ministry. He was a sheep herder. He was, he was a, which is a great, he was a sheep breeder. He was a cattleman. He, he was a fig pincher. So now, it's interesting. I've read different ideas of how his financial, one financial mean, which is the regular Baptist press, is that he was a pretty middle class, upper, upper, middle to upper class, because figs, you know about figs are, you have to go to the fruit and you have to slice them open. And when you slice them open, it makes them sweeter. But now another guy, but the two or three other people said, oh no, these are sycamore figs. They're, they're between a mulberry and something else. And they're not that good. They're for the poor people. And the way the poor people, they would pinch the fig and that made it ripen sooner. So he was a fig pincher. The title is, From the Farm to the Pulpit. I saw another title that said, From Pig, Fig Pincher to Big Preacher. 
from fig pincher to big preacher. And so there we are, that's Amos. So you can take whatever what display of uh, how you, it's interesting though, uh, he call, in chapter, look at chapter four, verse one, Philip says the society ladies of Samaria would have been very unhappy with him. Look at the first phrase of 4.1. Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan. Now what is a kind? So he called them the cows of Bashan. So hear you this. So I'm sure he said that Philip says the society ladies would not have been very happy with him uh, calling. They would have shuddered at that comment. If you read Amos, which maybe you have already, and I would say the Israelites are pretty happy up until chapter 2, verse 4, because he is talking about all the people around them. So if you live in Kentucky, there's the Ohioans. There's the Indianans, there's the Tennessee unvolunteers, and there's the West Virginia hoodlums, and there's the Virginia arrogant ones, and there's the uh, whoever's up here, uh, New York, uh, that's too far, sorry, the Pennsylvania, uh, and the, uh, but by the time, what, how about Kentucky? Oh, no, we're, we're pretty much just right up spot on all the time. But you can talk about everybody else. That's what he does here. So he starts his condemnation of everybody else, but it's going to come trickling. It's sort of like... A hawk that's attacking Mr. Womack's cat. And he's been circling around, circling around, circling around, circling around. And all of a sudden, there he comes, and Mr. Womack goes, and the hawk goes flying away. Because Mr. Womack's quick draw McGraw. So that's the idea. He's been circling around Judah and Israel, circling around, circling around, and finally, oh, he's going to get spot on to them. That's later, a bit later. Probably won't get there tonight where we're going. First of all, Amos' prophetic ministry, he lived in Judah. Now, if you think on him, I was going to bring a map out. We have, this is Israel. This is the Sea of Galilee. This is the Dead Sea. This is Jerusalem. 12 miles south of Jerusalem in a barren land is Tekoa, where he lived about 2,700 feet above sea level was Tekoa, according to some. It was, uh, I forget, it was like no man's land, according to uh, John Phillips. Like it was a very, a very difficult place. Uh, we find his name means burden bear. His heart was heavily burdened, downtrodden for the condition of Israel's poor and the corrupt condition of Israel's worship. Amos was one of the herdsmen of Tekoa. About 13, he's about 13.5 miles from Greenup to Ashland. So from Jerusalem to, to the Industrial Parkway, approximately. I, in my mind, I, I keep thinking of Israel a whole lot bigger than it is. This is just that far. Bethlehem to Jerusalem is only five miles. It's like that long, it's like that long straight stretch from the Industrial Parkway over the race down that, the, well, I call it the, the, down there at the hill, that Wheeler Hill there. Eh, not Wheeler Hill. Anyway, the hill that goes up to Flatwoods, it's, it's, it's not that long. Up, and we, it's, it's close at hand. So all, all these people are almost on top of each other in many ways in the Bible, and we, have not, we don't think about that. So it is, it's close to Jerusalem, only 12 miles. By, by the way, side note question, what is the oldest continually inhabited city in the world probably? Damascus, Syria, exactly. Damascus, Syria is the, lotus, the longest, continually oldest inhabited city in the world. Now, don't get confused 
by Samaria, capital of Israel, and the land of Samaria. So we have to be careful there. When we get to that point in time, we will be careful, I'm sure. Time frame, it is about 762 uh, B.C. Uh, we find that the, he ministered during the reign of Uzziah, king of Judah, Jeroboam II, son of Joash, king of Israel. And under, Israel's, under Jeroboam's leadership, there had been a lot of success militarily. Uh, his, his, he uh, reigned 41 years. Jeroboam's military victories fulfilled Jonah's prophecy. Can you hold your finger and turn with me to 2 Kings 14? Jonah. What is Jonah's claim to fame book-wise regarding all of the minor prophets as you're turning to 2 Kings 14? Probably, I've never even answered this question, so probably don't know. It is the only narrative... The book of Jonah is the only narrative of the 12 minor prophets. So, but he, we look at uh, 2 Kings 14, 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria and reigned 40 and 1 years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of his namesake, son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. Uh, think just for a moment. You, you are noted for one thing. You have made Israel to sin. In all of history, Jeroboam, the original king of the northern, you're known for one thing. You are, what made Israel, you, are the, you are the standard bearer of sin, if you would. Except till Ahab gets here. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath into the Sea of Plain, according to the word of the Lord of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet which was in Gath-hefer. So Jonah had prophesied this military might, which is easier for a man to survive, persecution or wealth and prosperity? I'm telling you, I think a man can survive persecution a lot better religiously than he can wealth and prosperity. You look at the people who've gotten wealth and wealthy and prosperous. It was British Oliver Goldsmith said in 1770, he said, Ill fares the land to hastening ills a prey where wealth accumulates and men decay. Where wealth accumulates and men decay. Again, back to our own nation, we have seen it. We see, you can see it across the world when people start accumulating wealth and we don't need God anymore. I'm telling you, as the people, as, as the people, as Christians thrive when there's persecution. The blood of the, uh, the, blood of the martyrs is the seed of the, uh, something like that. What is it? Blood of the saints is the seed, I can't remember, seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so we have, when Christians are being persecuted, did not the church grow? When they were being persecuted, Yes. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, when Saul did the person, man, they, they spread out and they went and people started and heard the gospel and they grew and there was excitement and there was, yes, a lot of things because there was persecution. Now we have it so easy, so easy. We find in there was a great earthquake. Zechariah mentions this earthquake. If you want to listen or turn over to Zechariah chapter 14, verse 5, it says for us here, and ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, of the, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Ashel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Even was remembered 300 years later. We're not even 300. Are we even 250 yet? Oh, are we even 250 years? Uh, We're not even 250 years old yet. 300 years after the earthquake, 
It is remembered through God's inspiring spirit, this earthquake. Archaeologists, top of page 2, have found evidence of a devastating earthquake from the time period and have assigned it a date of 760 B.C., which would place the writing of Amos around 762 B.C., if you're keeping chart there. Interestingly enough, Josephus said it coincided with the smiting of Uzziah with leprosy. The earthquake, leprosy, went the same hand, but there's no proof of that. I guess Josephus had a flair for the dramatic, and so there was no actual uh, proof of that. His occupations, Amos mentioned number two there, it was mentioned as occupations as a sheep breeder, a herdsman, cattleman. Again, breeders only mentioned one other time, 2 Kings 3, 4, it called a sheep master. Question three, besides sheep breeding and cattle raising, what type of fruit did Amos gather? A sycamore, that is correct. Big sycamore, 714. 714, then Amos Answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. What did you, what, but what had to, what had to proceed? Now, I'm, I'm just, and this, we're going to take a little bit of license here. What had to proceed Jehovah? telling Amos to go preach. What do we have to sort of almost assume about Amos? Godly man. At least he walked with God. Now, doesn't, we know that Balaam, but, but that was a different, but different, whole different thing, but I think that he had to be someone who walked with God, or who knew God. Why would, why would he even be talking Jehovah? I'm not just assumption, but why would he be talking Jehovah if he was not someone who followed after Jehovah? Jo, you got to go. And you got to preach. And he had that burden upon him. I've got to go and testify, etc. So the sycamore, he was a keeper of the sycamore figs. He was not a prophet, had not gone to seminary, had not even gone to Bible college. I don't think he's even gone to elementary school. Perhaps he went to the, uh, as a boy, he went to the, to- to- the school of Torah, Torah, and learned that. But he, he was a, a trained preacher. Yet God called him. And he had a message from God. We learned last week if God called the prophet, where did the, where did the king and the vice prince and the president, where did they fall in regards to the prophet? The prophet had authority. He even spoke to the king because it was God's man, God's word. And so he even superseded the authority of the king if God had called him to do that. He was a gatherer of fruit there in 714. Again, there's some debate whether it was the high-quality fig or low-quality fig. We don't have to decide that. Now, what might a person... So he's very much outdoorsy. And that's not, doesn't say it here. But if you're, if you're a cattleman, if you're a sheep breeder, and if you're a fig pincher, all those things are pretty much outside. And perhaps he had to... And one guy said, well, since he lived up at 2,700 feet uh, sea level, and the figs only survived down here close like to the Mediterranean Sea or in the valleys, he was a traveler. So he may have been very well acquainted with people, and so he has seen the need of the poor, the overbearingness of the rich, and he's seen the people serving a false god. So he's sort of been prepared. So the Lord may call you down the road because you have gone through something that other people have not. 
Perhaps uh, we're talking to someone this week, uh, last week, who, who is, we have, my wife and I have had to go through different times. And they had not had to do that yet. So the God may give you, Mr. Burns, can talk to people now. If you're going to get your leg veins changed out, you need to see Larry. Because he knows what it's like. He's had to go through it, right? If you want to know how to clean out a gas tank, a, 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 tra- a tractor trailer get tanker, see Mr. Womack, because he can do that. If you want to know how to feed uh, buttermilk and rebel, you see Mr. Skaggs, because he can tell you what butter... They like cookies, by the way. They do like cookies. If you like the sugar cookies, they really like... They still like those cookies? Oh, yeah, okay. So there we go. If you want to know how to find Bambi, go see Charlie. So there we are. So do you see... But the Lord sometimes allows you to go through things, and those of you, all of you who've gone through back pain, which are several of you, someone else may somewhere down the road say, you know what? What did you do for that? How did you treat that? What did you do? And so these things, and then there's going to be some spiritual things. Well, how do you deal with this? And so we, Amos, Amos has had a lot of outdoor experience. He's seen the poor. He knows what's going on. And so the Lord calls him to prophesy in 715. You are to go prophesy unto my people Israel. And I thought, uh, question number five on page two, give current examples of infamous country leaders who are exploiting their own people for personal gain. So I have Kim Jong-un currently in North Korea. I have the very late liberated tyrant Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe who died in 2019. Anybody remember Robert Mugabe? Uh, I have Hugo Chavez who died of, of lung cancer in 2013. Currently Vladimir Putin. I have Xi Jinping. And I have a new one to my list, of Belarus, Lukashenko. Lukashenko last week voted to give himself absolute immunity from any ever being prosecuted for anything. And he also limited any potential challengers to running for president. So he can never be guilty of anything, and no one else can challenge him. Hmm. So that's pretty convenient, pretty convenient. So he's, he's right. I like the best illustration of people like Putin. They're riding a tiger. And they know as long as they're riding a the tiger, they're okay. But as soon as they get off that tiger, he is going to eat them. And so this Lukashenko, Putin, when they have to give up their regime control, they know it's because the next person in line don't want him around. And that is why, as I, uh, interesting, I was just reading today, how that often, I never thought about this, but we'll pray just a second. When a com- country, Babylon, especially Assyria, would come in to Israel, and they would deport all the people into various other countries. Why was that? So they could never get together and cause a rabble again. I've got them separated everywhere. So now I never have to worry about them being able to gather together again and come to fight me again. And also in old Bible times, they would kill anybody who might become king, except that was carried even all the way down to Herod. Thanks for your patience. It's two after. Let's pray. Lord, we have the word of truth. Help us to be your prophets. Now, we can't be like the prophets of Old Testament time, but Lord, we can be foretellers in love. How that you came that we might have life. Lord, let us glance at the culture 
and let us gaze on Jesus. Glance at the culture. Gaze on you. You are so worthy. May we keep our eyes turned upon you and serve you faithfully each day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.